Thank you for tuning in to the Peace, Love, and Awareness podcast. My name is Jennifer Bilbo. I'm your host. Today's guest is Annie Owens, and she will be talking about two of her near-death experiences that she's had, as well as answer some questions for us very graciously. So I will hand the mic over to you and let you share your experiences. My first near-death experience was totally different than my second one and it happened within like a six month period so I had the first one and then I had the second one and they were totally different so I I believe well we're going to go into the long story of how it all happened um I was young I was married um we were we didn't have any children um we lived out in the hoorahs and well, we call it the hoorahs but out in the rural area and we were part of the backcountry horsemen's here in Utah and uh, we were going on one of their rides and their rides where they'd go down to Moab and they go ride and then you have a big old Dutch oven cookout. And so it was like a two day experience, three day, two night experience. And so we went down. My husband was sick on the way down and we had somebody else taking our horses down. So we just pull over. He'd get sick. And he says, you know what? Let's just keep going. I'll be fine. Everybody that I work with has this by tomorrow morning. I'll be fine. I'll be able to ride. It's just what they had. I'm going through it. You know, this is about, what, 26, 20-something years ago. And so, anyways, uh, we went down, and my husband got sick. He had pulled over, and we were fine. The next morning, he was right. He was totally fine. He was feeling good. We went horseback riding. We had a lot of fun. Um, We had, and I'm not going to mention any names because of what happened, but it was an older man that was in our group, in our area, and he... He was very old school um, with jokes in the matter of people joking around. That was really not something that I, I don't know if you've ever been around people that you can't really joke around with because they don't understand jokes. And that's how he was. And so when we were joking around, my husband and I, he was taking it to heart, kind of like we were talking about him. But we weren't. Sorry, water here. And so anyways, we went riding and rode all day and then. The next day we went for a ride, but we were going to be headed back the very following day. They had this big old Dutch oven, as I told you, very rich food. Oh, it was good. I like Dutch oven. Really good. And so anyways, we went riding. And that night after this Dutch oven cookout, I ended up getting sick. And I never even put it to thought that I'm sick because my husband was sick. It was just, oh, it was the food was a little bit too rich. Maybe I just couldn't handle it. and, And I was getting sick. And. That night, my husband's like, well, you know, our friend brought our horses down. We can just go ahead and go home. And I'm like, no, no, I'll be fine. We'll just leave out in the morning with everybody else. So that night we go to lay down and I'm having a hard time sleeping. And something tells me, and it's in my head. It's not like hearing it in my ears, but they say, get up and go home. And I thought to myself, okay, whatever, you know, I got up. I got sick again, you know, and I come and lay, lay back down. I think, okay, it's nothing. So I started going back to sleep again. This time it was a little bit louder and it was get up and go home. And I'm like kind of sitting up and shifting. My husband's like, what's going on? You know, what, what's going on? I said, I keep being told that we're supposed to go home. 
And he's like, well, come on, we can, we can go home. It's not a big deal. Let's just go. And I said, no, no, I was being totally stubborn. And I swear after this experience, I will never be stubborn again that way. And so he's trying to help me go home. And I said, no, I'm going to be fine. There's no reason for us to go home. You know, at the time our livestock was with us, we had our horses. And so there was nothing, no reason in my mind that I needed to go home over after this. And so anyways, um, I'm laying there again. This time is extremely loud. I'm just falling asleep and I hear, get up and go home. It's really loud. And I sit up and I'm like literally shaking. My body is literally shaking. And I'm just like, what the heck? And my husband's like, are you okay? Are you okay? I said, yeah, yeah. I just keep being told we need to go home. By this time, he's grabbing me, almost trying to pull me out. Come on, let's just go. He's listening better than I am. And they're talking to me, you know, and I'm just like, no, no, I was being stubborn. There is no reason why we need to go home, you know? And so anyways, the next morning, by the time I got up, that was the third time, um, I got up. I couldn't even keep down water. I was so sick. Water would make me sick. I literally could not keep down anything. And at the time I was hypoglycemic. Uh, anybody knows that's problems with the sugar. And when I get sick, that's a big time problem. It's a big time problem with the sugar. And so that morning we're brushing out the horses and the older guy that was in our group that really was like upset with us, even though I don't, you know, it's just because we're joking around and he couldn't understand the jokes. He says, he says to us, he's all, um, he wouldn't calm down. He would calm down. I was always taught when I was younger that if somebody does something against you, a lot of times you may not understand why it's happening i was always taught to kind of basically turn the other cheek and try to be kind to them and sometimes that'll soften them up and that's pre pretty much what i did with this older man so that morning i didn't have energy for anything but we're brushing out our horses getting them ready for a long drive home and so i went and i started brushing his horse out you know trying to kind of calm him down a little bit by being kind to him helping him get going and so anyways we all ended up taking off and we we're in our car because as i said we didn't transport our horses down and we're in our car and I told my husband, I said, if I tell you I'm going to get sick, just pull over so I can get sick, you know. Well, we're driving and I just told him all of a sudden, you need to pull over. I'm going to get sick. So we pulled over to the side of the road and I leaned forward. And that is the last thing that I remember. My husband said I ended up falling backwards over his lap and my eyes were rolled in the back of my head. All I saw was the whites in my eyes. Um, I was not breathing anymore. I was just catatonic almost, you know, he thought maybe I was choking on some food. And so he went and he grabbed me out of the car and started trying to do the Heimlich maneuver, trying to get some food out of me. And he's doing a finger sweep, you know, and everything. There's nothing there, but I'm still not breathing. He ended up laying me on the side of the road and he's doing it at the time. Now he's EMT, but at the time he's doing what he remembered about CPR and He's like doing chest compressions and trying to breathe for me and chest compressions, trying to breathe. And, and he says he was, he was freaking out. He says, I don't know how long it was, but he swears it was definitely well over five minutes that he was doing this, trying to get me to breathe again. And so I guess during that time, a car had pulled over because they saw him on the side of the road. And at that time he had just barely got me to be able to breathe, but I, my mind wasn't there. I wasn't alert. I wasn't awake. I was, pretty much gone. I was breathing, but that was it. And so he didn't know any other way. <laughs> now, you know, so I'm going to teach you, you know, you do a chest rub on somebody real hard, sternum rub to kind of get them going. But at the time it was like, okay, what do they do in the movies? Well, what do they do in the movies? They slap somebody, you know, 
And so he's like slapping me, trying to get me conscious again. And while he's doing that, the guy sees him that's walking up and he goes, oh my gosh, he's killed her. And this guy freaks out, jumps into his truck and just basically takes off. And anyways, he, he ended up getting me barely conscious um, and putting me in the car. I just remember being so cold. I was freezing to death and I was just shaking and he was asking me questions and he was crying, crying for me to stay with him. He said, stay with me, Annie, stay with me. And he, he's literally this big guy, you know, crying because he's just trying to get me to the closest doctor, which was Green River. And at the time there was literally one doctor in Green River. But during this time, when I leaned forward, my experience, my near death experience was, and I believe that everybody goes before they're crossing over, they're going to go to that place of comfort that gives them. Some people, they love the desert. Some people love the ocean. Some people love the lakes, meadows, wherever it's going to be the most relaxing for you, the easiest for you to be able to transition over. And for me, I was in the mountains. So I found myself, I was in the mountains. I was wearing like a, well, kind of reminds me like a little kid clothes, you know, they'd put night clothes on. And I'm barefoot and I'm walking on this trail. There's two trails. And as I'm walking on these trails, I'm the only one in that trail. There's nobody next to me in the trail. But I remember the colors just being so vivid. It, your green trees were more green. It was almost like you could feel the life coming out of them. You can feel what it felt like to be alive. You're connected to the trees, but at the same time, it felt like the only way to explain it is when it when you die or you're in the process of dying it feels like you're waking up and this life right here that you're living all of this is just a dream you remember it but it literally feels like a dream and what you're happening to you that's real this is not it's this is not real that is real now i'm not telling people that to go oh, go take your life or nothing like that because this is the experience we're supposed to have but I'm just telling you, it was nothing to fear. And as I'm walking along, I see this light that's coming out of the trees that the trail goes towards. And as I'm walking, I remember there was orbs of light that literally just kind of came out of my body. And as every orb came out, I guess it would have been like a life review, I could see and I knew every good thing that I had done here on earth. So at this time, I was in my late 20s and I'm watching stuff that I had done when I was a kid for other people. And when I say things you were done, do for other people, I'm not saying like, Hey, look at me. I did this and I did that. It was nothing like that. It was a small little things that you're doing behind the scenes that you're not looking for credit for. You're doing it out of the kindness of your heart. And it's not that you're going out to show what type of a good person you are. You're just, it's the things that you're doing that you're not asking for credit for. You're just doing it. I remember the last orb that came out was that morning with this older man, how I had just went and just tried to brush out his horse to try to calm him down. Even little things like that, this is what was coming out and this is what was giving me joy. As I was seeing every orb of light come out of me, I just remember going, wow, I didn't realize I had done that many good things while I was there, you know? And so I, as those came out like a little life review, I'm walking along this trail and as I'm walking along this trail towards the light, it's almost like the light becomes part of you. You're not singular. You're connected to this light. 
And this light is pure love because the closer I'm getting to this light and I'm walking on this trail and there is like no, nothing to poke your feet, no rocks, no pebbles. It just is beautiful. You feel connected with everything. And as this light is like pulling you and you're becoming one with this light, you're connected to everything. There is no loneliness. There's no sorrow. There's no feeling separate because you're now part of this light and it just it's so much love it fills your whole soul as you're going through and you just it's like you you yearn for it it calls out to you as it becomes one with you and i just get i just got to where i was right there with the trees and light was becoming so bright and i was just allowing it allowing myself to be pulled into this light all of a sudden i felt like somebody grabbed my cerebral cortex the very back side of my brain and just yanked me back into this body and when I felt that, that's when I actually came back into my body. And when I came back into my body, um, I, that's when I felt all the pain. And my chest hurt so bad. And, you know, you would think maybe he broke ribs or something while he was, like, doing the compressions. But he didn't. But <laughs> my chest hurt so bad. I was freezing. I was upset. <laughs> Though I have, I was upset, but I see this big, strong man laying next to me, you know, loves me. And he going, stay with me, stay with me. And. I knew as he grabbed me and put me into the car and he's driving well over hundred miles an hour to get to green river, which was next. I knew that all I had to do was relax and I could go back, but I kept hearing him cry for me to stay with him as he's trying to make me talk. I think that I'm talking, but I guess all that's coming out of my mouth is woo, 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 woo. Cause what, what had happened was my blood sugar had gotten so low that the blood was only going to my heart my lungs and that part of the brain to control it to kind of keep me here. And so we get over to green river and it's Sunday and um, to find out that uh, the one doctor that was in town, he was a Bishop um, and it was about time church was supposed to be on. And so we get over to where at the time green river, there was a doctor's house and then there was a clinic because it was so long ago. That's all that was there. There was no hospital there. Now green river is a lot bigger. There's a hospital and everything, but at the time, he was the only doctor in town. And as we pulled up, he comes running out of the house. And anyways, he goes, he asked what was wrong. My husband said, I believe her blood sugar's totally dropped. And so anyways, they ended up willing me in. I guess my veins had dropped. They couldn't put anything into, couldn't get glucose into my veins. They ended up actually going through my ankle to get it into me. Um, and I was able to come back. And the doctor's telling my husband the story. He says, I want you to know that we're lucky she's alive right now. And he, he says, let me tell you what happened this morning. He says, I was going to go to church. I got into my truck and I realized I had forgotten my scriptures. He says, so I wasn't too far away. I turned back around, came to get my scriptures. And by the time I found my scriptures, I no longer could find my keys for the truck. He says, one thing happened after another and after another to keep me here but her blood sugar was so low that if they would have had to somebody would have had to go find me at church to bring me back here there's a high chance she would have went her her organs would have started shutting down so there's a reason i was alive on that one even though i was dumb and maybe i was dumb so i can tell my story to not be dumb myself like like what happened to me but that was my first near-death experience it was the feeling of becoming one with everything all at once and 
you know, I was upset when I left. I did have some issues after this because I had gone long enough without oxygen. Um, after that, I had a hard time with short-term memory for like three months. Um, I would actually have to carry uh, a little, I had a little notebook. And anytime I had, a, if I had to be anywhere at a certain time or certain things that had to be done at a certain time, I would have to write it down because I could not remember it. It was like short term. It, you can tell me something and 10 minutes later it was gone. It was just, <laughs> I couldn't retain it. And so that was my first near-death experience. Before the first experience, I had been into an accident. I had to have a surgery. And it was my last surgery I was supposed to have from this accident. Um, and I had already had one on the other side. They just, they were removing the first rib on each side because after this accident, if I put my hands up to drive, it would literally cut off the blood circulation. Um, and I had this really weird feeling before I was supposed to have the surgery, you know, um, but what am I supposed to say? You know, um, I decided I'm not going to have the surgery because I have a weird feeling about it. You know what I mean? There was nothing showing that anything was going to go wrong. It was just kind of a, I felt a little uncomfortable about it. Um, and so I was at Utah Valley Hospital um, and they went ahead and performed the surgery and everything went well. Nothing went bad in the surgery. Everything went, went according to plan. But I guess they were understaffed in the recovery room. And when they were understaffed, they weren't charting things right. I could have sued the hospital over this. I didn't end up suing them. But what happened was, I guess, after surgery, you moan and whine, even though you don't you don't really remember anything of that. But they went ahead and gave me a shot of morphine. And then they didn't chart it. Then they went ahead and gave me another shot of morphine and didn't chart it. Well, then they had a shift change that happened. And so they did the shift change and I'm still moaning and, and complaining unbeknownst to me. I don't remember any of that, but I was complaining. And I guess what, during the shift change, they decided they needed to give me another shot of morphine because it wasn't charted or it wasn't charted correctly. And what ended up happening is it just totally stopped my heart. Um, they actually even came out to my husband who was in the waiting room and they were saying, I'm, we're working on resuscitating your wife. She has stopped breathing. Um, we'll let you know what's going on. So he's, he's basically pacing back and forth going, what the heck's happening? Because the doctor's already come out and told me that the surgery went fine. There wasn't any issues and everything went according to plan. And anyways, he ended up, he was freaking out at the time, but for me, that was a totally different experience. All of a sudden, I can feel myself. I felt myself actually leave my body. I see the lights that are above my head at the hospital. And, and I'm looking at the lights, but I'm literally going up. And I hear people behind me that I don't recognize. And they're saying, Annie, Annie, come on, Annie, stay with us. Come on, Annie, Annie, Annie. But I didn't care. I know that sounds so bad. I felt so free. I was like, oh. If you are, you know, getting anything from this, if you would please share, uh, if you would please subscribe, like the video, comment below, and please let me know spiritual, paranormal related topics that you would love to hear more about. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the episode. I'm out of here. I, it's, it's just bad. I know. I, I'm not like in a hurry to leave or anything like that, but it was just kind of bad and I felt my body leaving and I went closer and closer to the lights and there I hear them calling for me. I didn't even turn around to look at them. I'm sure I would have saw my body there, but I didn't care. I was like, okay, I'm free. And, and I went through these lights and I decided, you know what? 
I'm just going to see where, where my spirit carries me. And so I'm floating and I'm floating and I end up just allowing myself to go wherever I'm supposed to go. I was just like, I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't afraid of it. I didn't have any fear. I feel bad for my husband now, but at the time I really wasn't thinking about anything other than, Hey, I feel good. I feel free. And I ended up floating up to this area. The only way I can describe it is it looked like to me, like fluffy clouds, but it was a ground, but it wasn't a ground. I don't understand. I was like coming up and I saw there was five people. They had robes on and they were standing kind of around in a circle and they were talking to each other. But as I'm looking at them, their mouths weren't moving, you know, and I heard them. And when I was trying to listen to hear what they're saying, because I'm slowly, slowly like coming out of this, this ground that's not a ground. So my head's just barely kind of coming up and I'm listening to them. I realized that I heard that before when they talk, when I was a little kid, and maybe we can get into some of this afterwards, Jennifer, because this, we're, I have plenty of time if you want to talk and you can edit out whatever you want. But um, when I was a little kid, I would freak out because I would hear people talking, but they were talking so fast that I could only pick out it, uh, the words, you know, small, teeny tiny words, but not actual what they were talking about. I felt I could feel who they were talking about, but I couldn't understand what they were saying. And as I saw these five people standing around in these robes, that's how they were talking to each other. And I'm looking at them and I realized their mouth is not moving. Then I realized, oh, that's what I was hearing as a kid. They were telepathically speaking at the speed of thought. And the speed of thought is a lot faster than what comes out of our mouths. And that's why I couldn't understand what they were saying. Because they're talking telepathically, but I'm hearing it, but it's fast. And it was a speed of thought. And all of a sudden, one of the men in this group, because there was like three men and like two women, one of the men in this group turned and looked at me that I'm kind of coming out of this ground. And by this time, I barely have my belt, like shoulders length up. He comes over to me and he puts his hand out. He doesn't quite touch me, but he puts his hand out. He telepathically tells me, not yet. And as soon as he did that, I felt the same thing as the first time. I felt like the cerebral cortex and being yanked back into my body. And as I'm being yanked back into my body, you know, oh, I forgot to tell you, when I was coming up through the clouds, it was a love. I just let the love pull me wherever I was supposed to go. So that's what was going on there. But as soon as I come back into my body, they had already innovate me. I had tubes down my throat. I'm freaking out. They're, t they're trying to hold me down. They're going, it's okay. You can breathe. You can breathe. Let me tell you, when you got a tube down your throat, you do not feel like you can breathe. And so I'm just like freaking out, probably acting like somebody like a crackhead or something that's coming off of it. I'm like pushing everybody, trying to get to this tube to pull it out of my throat. And of course, they don't want me to do damage. So they're literally holding me down and then finally gave me something to calm me down so they can go ahead and get the tube out of my throat. But just like the last time, it's like when you come back, you're kind of angry because it's like I got to connect with that love again, feel like all part of one. And now you made me come back again, you know, but I kind of look at every experience that I've had in my life. I've had to try to look at it as I may not fully understand why, but I do understand that there's a reason for it. And because of that, I just kind of try to take it in stride and just go, okay, write it down in my journal and just 
go from there because, you know, everything that happens has a reason. And sometimes it kind of opens up new ways and perceptions of, of ways to look at things. So that was my second one. I didn't have a life review on that time. I just let the love carry me wherever I need to go. And it felt so good. And then being pulled back in here is like, ah, oh, again. So anyways, as I said, it's not too, too major and, you know, life altering because I just try to allow everything to happen. I've got so many spirit stories, you know, so many different things that have happened in my life that I just kind of let it be and say, okay, there's got to be a reason for it. I have some questions prepared uh, that are about near-death experiences in general, but I do have a couple questions first that are in relation to your experiences specifically. Okay. So during your first experience, you mentioned hearing a voice multiple times telling you to go home. Yes. Do um, you I know who that voice is? I did learn later on, um, and that's what we we're gonna see if we had time to discuss was listening to mm -hmm. your guides. I did learn later on that that was a voice of one of my guides, and that is one that has really helped me out throughout my lifetime. He tells me things that are gonna happen. I've learned to totally trust this one, totally trust him with the things that he says. But that was one of my guides that was telling me to go home, go home, so. Prior to your near-death experience, it sounds like that was not necessarily the first experience where you heard your guide. Um, at that point, it's when I started awakening to it. It wasn't until after the first death experience that I started realizing that, you know, I, I'd always been brought up religious wise in my religion that you need to listen to your inspiration. They call it the Holy Ghost and to listen to it. And they'll lead you where you need to go. But I did not realize to what extent that it wasn't like one being or what, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but that we all have our own guides to be able to guide us around to learn to trust. Um, sometimes our guides step in and they're family members. Um, sometimes our guides are ones that have been basically assigned to us that maybe our best friend from somewhere else and have been assigned to help us out in this lifetime. And for me, you know, I have found that I have certain guides. I, I know what they sound like. I know what they feel like when they tell me things. Um, and they never, they a guide will never, ever tell you something negative. They may warn you, but they're not going to say you know, and negative things towards you or about other people. They may warn you. They always have those warnings of, okay, well, you know, you might want to be a little cautious about it, but they're not going to tell you what to do. They're there to guide you, not tell you what to do other than go home. That was a guide trying to guide me. Hey, you might want to think about getting home. Hey, hey, you might. Cause if I would have been home and gotten sick like that, I would not have been expelling extra energy, brushing out horses, doing anything. I would have been in bed. I would have been having access to chicken noodle soup or something. My husband trying to help me along with it. And I didn't listen because I didn't listen. That's why all this happened. My blood sugar just dropped too too low. So, you know, there's reasons for everything. <laughs> During your second experience, uh -huh. who do you think those five beings were that were standing there telepathically speaking at the speed of thought? I really believe they were my guides. I think that I kind of went towards those guides. And as I told you, there was three men and two women. Um, 
I can tell you a story when I was a little kid, when I was telling you I'd heard him when I was a little kid. I was, oh, I had to have been probably about seven or eight years old. And in the morning, I came from a big family, and it was a Sunday morning. And usually Sunday mornings, my mom would wake us up. We have a big meal and, and everything. It was a Saturday or, Saturday or Sunday, because those are the two days my mom would get up and make a big meal for the family. And so I was a little hungry that morning. <laughs> and I, I'm laying in bed, and I hear voices. And it sounds like the voices are coming from the kitchen. So I'm like, oh, good. Maybe they're starting breakfast early and I can get some breakfast because I was really hungry, right? And so I get up and I go towards the kitchen and I'm listening on the way there and I'm hearing people talk. Can't hear what they're saying. I can't hear the words, but I can hear them, you know, kind of going back and forth. So I get into the kitchen. There's nobody there. There is nobody awake in my house. I am the only one awake in my house. And I was like, my thought was, you know, I was a little kid. You, you have your little fears take over. My thought was, I, maybe somebody's trying to rob it. Because we used to have a, and where we lived, we had the garage that was right off the kitchen. You walked outside, there's a small patio, and then there's a garage. And I'm thinking maybe that's where the voices were coming from. And I'm like, and it's kind of funny looking back. Because when you're a kid, you think you can hide so easily, you know, and they'll never see me. So I'm like, I got to hide. Because if they see me, they're going to get me. Those were my thoughts in my head, you know. <laughs> so my mom had this really long, full-length coat. It was like a, um, a, I don't know if it was fur or a faux fur or whatever, but it was a big, long coat, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, so if I grab this coat and lay on the couch and then, like, put this coat on the couch, she's just going to think this is like a bunch of coats or something on the couch, you know? Thinking like a little kid is kind of funny looking back because boy we do dumb stuff when we're kids but anyways so i covered myself up with the coat and then i was like really really quiet i started to hear them talk again and that's what i'm telling you talking back and forth quietly but very fast to where you can understand it the just small little words so i'm laying there and then i can i can hear them like they're in the living room with me and i was so scared i could barely breathe under this coat and so I made just a little like pilot hole to open it up to where I can get some air in and out so I can get fresh air. And I'm laying there and I am like, it, the sun is coming through the window now and I am getting hot. I, I, have, I have beads of sweat coming down me, but I'm so afraid I do not want to move because I can hear them talking in this living room and they're talking back and forth. I could tell that they were discussing my brothers. It's really weird. I could feel what they were saying. They were discussing one of my brothers that was having a problem and they were discussing how to help him with this problem but that's what i was hearing and so when i went in the second time and i'm hearing that's exactly what i heard when i was a little kid now it was probably about an hour later my parents i guess they had slept in that day and then they went looking around for me and they found me they took the coat off i was literally drenched in sweat every part of me was wet because i had gotten so hot under there and then i got in trouble because I had done that. And why would you do that? And you can have a heat stroke and now go take a shower. Yeah. I know I've talked to several other people that have had like ghost experience and stuff. And when they're kids and they hear the same thing too. So it's not just me. They're hearing the, the whisperings of people back and forth and it ends up being guides. Well, I've had just so many experiences from, as we we're talking about with children, how children can see things. And I'm trying to explain it to you that I had this happen to me in childhood 
but it wasn't until my second near-death experience that I understood it. So everything in my life, I've been very blessed when I don't understand something. It may take years, but I'll have another experience that will happen and I'll go, oh, now I can link it together. That's why this happened. You know, and I think it's because I don't try to get freaked out about it because with everything that's happened to me, I probably should be freaked out about it. You know, um, such as, as I was telling you before, I didn't understand why I was seeing spirits as a little kid. Um, but I kept thinking, because I was the only one in my family that would talk about it. And I didn't understand why this was happening to me. And my mom didn't understand. Um, she was thinking, oh, it's her imagination to find out that I get this from my grandmother. My grandmother was like this. She didn't even, she was the oldest child and she was always put in trouble. And she would always have to take care of all her other siblings growing up. So she didn't really get to know her mom all that much other than she was like sibling babysitter. And so she didn't know that her own mother had this ability. It wasn't until I was probably close to 10 years old that I found out that my grandmother can do this, that my grandmother was like this because I didn't have a clue. And my mom just kept telling me it was part of my imagination. I would have to sleep with the light on because I would see people in my room and I would scream in the middle of the night because my room would be crowded with people. I didn't know how to deal with it. You know what I mean? Um, I did have, I was telling you, I had a man, and that might be part of my guide now, a man, he would stand in a suit. To me, as a little kid, it was like a fancy suit, but it was shiny. So it was very expensive looking suit. And it was a blue, kind of a bluish suit. I don't know. It's kind of weird. But he would stand by my bed and he would just kind of have his hands, you know, in front. And just like a guard and as, as long as he was standing by my bed all the shadow people that i would see they would stay away because i would see shadow people when i was a little kid but he would stand there and he was like a guide for me but i didn't understand why he would be there so i was afraid of him because i wasn't taught to listen to how i feel when i see them it was you're seeing him you shouldn't be and so when he would stand there i would do that little cover my head up with the blanket, make a little hole in it to let the air come through. One night I remember him standing there and he, he was nice. He, I, I never had any bad feeling about him. It was more of, I'm seeing him and I'm not supposed to. You understand what I'm saying? Cause I wasn't taught it was okay to see him. That's a gift. It was no, it's your imagination. So one night he was standing there and I'm like, okay, normally um, about four o'clock in the morning, you know, that was my thought when it's almost, when it's almost morning, he's gone. So I had made the little hole and I'm, I'm like laying there and I decided, you know what? I want to see if he's gone. And I peeked my head through the hole and I'm looking to see if he's there. He turned towards me. He kind of put his head down to towards me and that, that hole kind of is like smiling. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> just like totally scared. I can tell he kind of got a kick out of it. You know, he just thought it was funny, but because he didn't mean any harm. I know he, there's just no way he was got, he was, protecting me while I was there um, and keeping the shadow people away. And I used to always tell my mom, she goes, oh, it's just your imagination. I'm like, why can't I imagine something I want to see like a panda or a unicorn? Why am I seeing people? You know what I mean? Oh, it's just your imagination. And I'm just like freaking out at night. I ended up having to, I complained so many times, getting my parents out of bed in the middle of the night because I'm like, mom, there's people in here. And I'm just like crying. They finally did like a, a little light that they could turn down so that it wasn't full bright light because you know it's not good for you but enough light to where if i can see around the room i was okay which is kind of funny because <laughs> i think i've kind of carried that 
in some form or another throughout my whole life now because when it's completely dark i do see a lot of people and i'm just like you know what if you're there that's fine i just don't want to see it <laughs> would you say that the beings that you're seeing are they past have they passed away um yeah i would say most of them have passed away um okay. i don't i don't I'm not seeing on to like to the other side of ones that haven't been born yet. The only time I can tell you a story about my oldest son um, and that, that brought spirits, but it's a long story, but with my oldest son, I was able to see an angel and that was, that was really cool. I'd never seen that before, you know? Um, and it was with my, it was with my grandmother. My grandmother was on her deathbed. She had cancer and she kept talking about this beautiful angel that she would see, but she wouldn't call it angel. She would say, oh, beautiful lady. That's what she would always say, beautiful lady. And she was seeing both sides at this time. She was here, but she was also seeing the other side because it wasn't too long before she was going to pass. And um, I'm not going to get too much into the story other than my oldest son was supposed to come to me. Um, I asked her before she died. She, she kept seeing a little boy coming and crying by her side. And one night, my husband and I decided we need to go see my grandma. We didn't know how much longer she had. And we drove four hours to go see her. And my mom was on night watch with my grandma. My, my mom and my aunt, one took the day and one took the night because my grandma was afraid of dying alone. So she wanted to have somebody with her. And so my mom took the, was on the night shift. And I said, Mom, I'll stay up with you. My mom was really tired. I said, Mom, I'll stay up with you. So as I'm sitting there, my grandmother, because she's Hispanic, she go, she point and she'd have a hard time talking. She goes, oh, pobrecito, pobrecito. That means poor baby. You know, don't cry. Don't cry. You know what I mean? And so I saw this little boy go from one side of the bed all the way around her foot and then right, right in front of me. And she goes, oh, don't cry. Don't cry. You know, so she was saying the little boy was coming to her and he was crying. And then later that night, she points to her foot. She points like at the sky, but by her foot. And I look over and I see, and this is just tripping. Anybody who has ever seen this in their life, it is the coolest thing you could ever see. I'm just telling you. There was a female. She had this beautiful robe on, but it's almost like there was ribbons behind her and they were moving slow. Like you ever see those commercials where the cologne or perfume and you see it in the water and it's like the ribbons are moving. It's just so like beautiful and glamorous. The ribbons are moving and it was behind her and a whole bunch of them just flowing and her hair was just like flowing like it's in the water, but it was just like totally perfect and blue, beautiful moving really, really slow. She had like um, brownish hair, um, but it was just beautiful and it was gorgeous hair and it was just kind of flowing and she just kind of came out of the ceiling and she slowly ascended, ascended downwards. And then she just, or I guess it'd be descended downward. And then she was there for a minute and then she ascended right back up. By that time, my mom, my grandmother was able to speak when she started going back up. She goes, oh, beautiful lady, beautiful lady. So I knew the beautiful lady that she was talking about. I actually got to see her and I was like, wow. So my grandmother, the next day I said, grandma, um, that little boy that comes crying to you, I said, has he been born yet? And her eyes, it's almost, she was able to see both sides. So she's like, her eyes look over and they change. I can't explain it. The way she, the look in the eyes changed. And she looks at me, goes, 
no, not yet. And I was like, because at this time we had been trying and trying to have kids and we hadn't been able to have kids. Long story short, I said, Grandma, whose little boy is this? And she kind of looks over and you see that the look change in her eyes again. And she comes back and she smiles and goes, maybe yours. Well, she said, maybe because he didn't come out of my body. Um, my oldest one, we were blessed to adopt. And I guess he had been coming and crying because he wanted to be in our family and he was crying. That's why I saw him come in front of me. Wow. Um, we were, he was, he was family. So that's why my grandma's seeing him. That's why it's connected because it was her grandson. And we were blessed to be able to adopt part of my family. And he was able to become part of my family. Now, when he was about two years old, um, it was close to Christmas and he was like playing with tree, playing with toys by the tree. And all of a sudden that angel, the beautiful lady that my grandma talked about, she literally came again. I saw her twice. She came out of my ceiling, slowly ascended downward, descended downwards. She didn't even, she didn't even acknowledge me at the time. Didn't acknowledge me. She just looked down at my son who was playing with the toys and then just went right back up. So she came to check on him. So the beautiful lady that she was seeing had a lot to do with my son for some reason too. So uh, all I know is that just kind of, you know what I mean? It's kind of crazy how those things happen, but you know, he was meant to come to us. My oldest brother passed on and we're talking about guides. And when he had gotten sick. I'd heard he had gotten sick and he was in the hospital. And in the morning, we're talking about listening to your guides. In the morning, the, the man, the man always talks. <laughs> he's, he's so kind and so loving with his words. He is just, you ever hear somebody talk and you go, I can just listen to their voice forever. Just, it just, that's how he is. And so anyways, he came to me in the morning when my brother was sick and, and he says, it's cancer. So we we're waiting to find out what was wrong with my brother, but here's my guide saying it's cancer. And so I'm like, Oh wow. So that afternoon my brother calls me and says, oh, I just need to let you know it's cancer. They're going to find out how far along I am, <clears throat> you know, what they're going to need to do to help me with this. And so the next morning I go to wake up and I'm half asleep, half awake that theta state we talked about. And that my guide comes to me again and he goes, it's stage four cancer. He has three months to live. And I'm like, oh, wow. So he was preparing me before my brother ever even said anything. And so my brother says, he comes back and he says, okay, they say it's stage four cancer. And I got three to six months to live. He lived three months, three months after that. And so my guide graciously kind of helped me to where it wasn't so hard on me, the information, because I knew the information before anybody ever told me, you know what I mean? Um, my guides have helped me so many times in my life. They help me now <laughs> with everything that's gone on in my life. Um, I probably have been saved by, from lots and lots of accidents that were going to take place. I was driving one time, I was driving a bus and, uh, I came up to a light and something felt off about it. And it was a green light. And I was supposed to be turning at that green light. And there was really not a lot of traffic. It was early in the morning. And my guide, my guide says, treat it like a four-way stop. 
and said, there's something wrong. There's some, that's what they said. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. Treat it as a four-way stop. There's something wrong. And so my heart started beating a little bit faster. And I'm like, okay, because I told you something felt off. So as I started coming up to light, instead of speeding up to, to take a left, I went ahead and slowed down to stop. And just as I did that, an old, we'll talk, old steel car, if you want to call it that, the bigger you know, old ones, comes running mm -hmm. the red light. It would have sideswiped me right at my door. So I'm just saying, you know, you got to listen to them, even though sometimes you don't understand why. You know, it's better to be safe than sorry. And so kind of like, say you're driving down the road and for some reason it's like, you know, you need to slow down. You don't know why. Okay, you're not in a hurry. You're like, okay, yeah, I'll slow down. No big deal. Or um, um, maybe something happens and it delays you from where you're at. There's always a reason for it. Sometimes we don't understand it. And sometimes we maybe may never even find out if we listen, you know, and maybe it wouldn't happen to somebody else. Maybe you're running late to work in the morning and you're like really frustrated. Ah, you know, I'm late, but maybe there would have been an accident if you would have been on time. So I've just kind of learned to just <laughs> listen, be patient and just, you know, do the best I can with it, but let it go. You kind of have to let it go. But I did want to talk to you a little bit, if we have time, to talk about how to start listening to your guides, how to recognize your guides um, so that you can listen. Because energy is changing here on this earth, and more and more people are going to be able to do this so much easier. Um, and if you start listening, it just makes your life a lot easier, you know, because you have somebody helping you along. Because we're here basically in a blind maze trying to figure out where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to do, you know. And so... I did want to talk about the guides and how I started being able to listen to them. You know, um, I, I like to watch kind of videos sometimes about how the best to help yourself with um, different things. Like I, this is how it started off with me. I'd listen to somebody and they said, you know, when your guides talk to you, the easiest way to start listening to them. And this is simple. Okay is listen, like say you have something at the grocery store you need to get. Maybe you forgot you're going to go to the grocery store. Listen to, is it in your head? Is it, I need to go to the grocery store? Or do you hear, you need to go to the grocery store? You've never probably even paid attention to it. You know, it's like, oh, you hear in your head, you need to stop at the post office. And they go, oh yeah, I need to stop at the post office. But you heard it at first, you need to stop the post office. So you just need to start little like that, listening if it's an I, if you're filling it within yourself that you're saying it, or all of a sudden somebody's reminding you, hey, you need to go there. That oftentimes is your guide because they're saying you need to go do it. you know. And so I started listening and I'm like, wow, I didn't realize it. So many times during the day, these little things are told to me. And then I go, oh yeah, I need to do that. Almost like somebody, like somebody's talking to you. Maybe you have a person next to you. Go, hey, don't forget, you need to go. The, you need to go to the store, and then you go, oh yeah, I need to go to the store. You know, so it's just little things that they're gonna prop themselves into. But here's where, as I warn people, when they're listening, if you ever have a guide or you think it's a guide um, that tells you anything negative, like tells you anything in your head that's negative about you negative about somebody else like um 
negative in the fact of like, oh, you're ugly or, oh, wow, she's ugly. And you know that it's not coming from you. It's somebody talking to you that way. That's not something you need to have around you. That's not, that's not a good spirit. That's not a good guide. It's not, it's not a guide because guides wouldn't do that. Guides come from a sense of full love and support. And that's what they're here to do is to love you and support you while you're here. And so you got to be very careful of what you're listening to. And you, when your guides are talking to you, you should feel the love coming off of them and whatever they say. Just like when he was telling me about my brother dying, it wasn't mean, it wasn't malicious. I could just feel the concern he had and he was trying to make it easier for me to deal with it. You know, um, but guides are there to help you along. Um, I remember the first time I actually heard it, literally heard his voice in my head, I was sleeping and as I was waking up, I heard a man talking. And as I told you, there's the with my brother. But before that, I had heard a man talking. And he told the other woman, which, as I told you, I have a female guide, that he told the other woman, shh, shh, she's going to hear you. That's what I heard him. Be quiet, be quiet. She's going to hear you. And anyways, the female says, so she can hear us? And at that time, I was half asleep, half awake, and I actually talked out loud and go, no, I can't hear you. Be quiet. <laughs> um, so I kind of have fun with it if I can. For someone like me who can be a bit of a loner, and I'll admit that sometimes I talk to myself when I'm home alone. That's fine. You know, and, and so sometimes when I'm talking to myself, I'll say, you need to get it together, Jennifer. But like, that's me talking to myself. Uh, right. So what other tips would you have for, for me to identify my guides? You know, there's lots of, as I told you, for everything there is here on earth, there's so many different ways to achieve the same thing. Um, for a lot of people, there are, and I can even send it to you afterwards. I, I love, I think his name is Jason Stevenson, but he's on YouTube. And he does like guided meditations. I love his voice. You need to find what resonates with you. But he has like a guided meditation. And I love guided meditations because they're like listening to a story. And as you're listening to a story, you're able to imagine and see a lot of different things. So he does like guided meditations, guided hypnosis type stuff. And one of them is meet your spirit guide. And so it's a story and you listen to it. And in the end, you're meeting your spirit guide. You're able to see them. That's one way you can do it. Um, anybody that is interested in the spirituality aspect of this, they really need to get to where they can meditate. And this took me years, but I taught myself how to do it. And as I told you, the weirdest thing is now I can actually get into that deep meditation and I can connect with literally anybody dead or alive because we are literally all connected. Everybody thinks that you're separate. You're alone. You're in your apartment by yourself and there's nobody else there. But you know what? You're not. We are literally all energetically connected. And so when you meditate, it's just connecting to the, the source of all, which I told you when I was dying, you know what I mean? And I'm coming towards this light. I was connected with everything, everything. I was connected with any plants that were there. I can feel the connection. There was no space between me and everything else because we are all one in our connections we see ourselves as separate but 
and all of it were connected. And so learn to meditate. For me, what I did was I started off with these guided meditations because that's how I taught myself. And I would listen to it and I got to where I'll tell you the stages that happened for me. It may be different for everybody else, but I got to a stage at first. It was just total relaxation. And I'm like, okay, this is great. I love getting to that relaxation point. Your body feels good. Then I started getting a little bit deeper and it felt like my body was just like vibrating. That's what it felt like. It was a, like a vibration that went throughout my whole body. And I just remember that feeling of going, oh, let me just stay here because that it was just so intense and so good. It felt so good as the body's just vibrating and it's everything inside. And then I got to a place even deeper than that, which that was where I had the connection. I felt there was no beginning of me and there was no end. I was connected to everything as I was in this deep, deep meditation. Okay. Now, the stages of it was I did the guided meditation that helped me relax. But then listening to the voice talk started bothering me because it didn't, to me, it didn't make me feel like I can allow to go deeper. So I found music. And for me, I love to listen to everybody has their own, what they want. I listen to like angelic music. There's no voices in it, but it's a very calming and relaxing. And that's how I started going a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. And even till today, that's what I use. And that just allows my mind to totally like reel down um, to be able to connect. But you get and get to that stage when you get to that stage where you're connected to everything. That's when you go in and that's when the weird stuff starts happening. I'm just telling you, because once you get into that stage that you're that deep and you can connect it with everything, I would literally get into meditation and ask my guides, take me somewhere cool to see. That's what I would tell them. Take me somewhere cool to see things. And I would go into deep meditation and I would find myself on places that I have no freaking clue where it was at. And I was watching things happen. It was like, I don't think I was astral projecting as much as remote viewing places. Cause I would get into, and I would watch everything that was happening. Now I'm gonna tell you the weirdest thing was there was only one time this happened and I found myself on a craft that was not on planet earth. Um, it was huge. The hallway was like 35 foot tall. It was like a big hallway. And this is before they tar- started talking about uh, the space force. And I'm standing in the hallway and my guide is talking to me. It was a f- this female at this time. And she goes, they're going to see you. They're going to see you. You're going to get caught. And I'm like, I don't care. This is cool. You know, cause I'm standing there and they cannot see me and they are walking. There is human looking people walking up and down this hallway. And as they, they walked up and down this hallway, um, they had on, on their, I guess it would have been on this side, that emblems on this side. And it looked like to me, it was like the planet earth behind the symbol, like star Trek was really weird. It was like a star Trek, you know, the star Trek symbol, but the earth was like behind it. And there was some type of banner and it, something written in Latin that kind of went across that. Right. And I'm like, and I'm kept looking at it and looking at it. And she keeps telling me, Hey, they're going to see you. But I'm just like, wow, this is so cool. And I'm just watching them. They're just walking right by me on the hallway. You know what I mean? And all then all of a sudden, this man comes walking from the other direction. He stops and looks at me. <laughs> and this man, he was very, very much a very sharp. What? 
how would I explain this? Sarp features like um, very Hispanic, um, very South American uh, with very sharp features, you know, where the skin is kind of like wrinkled, but it's that sharp Hispanic looking features. It wasn't like smooth. It was very, you know, very hard featured. And he stops and he looks at me and I go, shit. <laughs> and I pulled myself out, <laughs> but I was caught. Like, uh oh, <laughs> and I removed myself from it. You know what I mean? I was just allowed to pull myself out of it. But did you hear any of the humans on that craft talking? They were they were pretty much they had like some of them had glass pads in their arms that they were walking down and they were kind of like doing stuff with. It was like wherever I was at it was some type of corridor from one part to another. As I told you, it was tall. It was like 35. I don't know why it was so tall, but it was huge. You're just going. And I knew I wasn't, I knew I wasn't on earth. I, it, you know, I mean, it's, they weren't really talking. I, I really didn't hear them talk. They were kind of chattering back and forth. Sounded like it could be English. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. But the weirdest thing was then two years later, whatever space force started coming out. And I wrote down the symbol in my journal. I was like, drew it out what I had seen. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Why? To me, the biggest thing was, why is there a Star Trek symbol on this? Why does it look like Star Trek? I'm not a very big sci-fi fan. Even everything that's happened in my life, I don't watch a lot of sci-fi stuff. That's just not how it is. And so I'm looking at it, I'm like, why is there that Star Trek symbol? And then Space Force comes out, right? And they're like, oh, let's put together the space. You know what? Now you look at the Space Force sign. I want you to look that up when we're done and see what that looks like. It's pretty dang close to exactly what I saw when I was on the board. It was crazy. So I don't know. The stuff that I see, it's just crazy. One time I, I went to meditation and I'll just say, show me something cool, you know? And I just, you have to stay there in the mindset to allow it to happen. And I, I, I don't know how I did it this time. One time I went to, my brother was having this big get together with my like my, my uh, cousins and I was there and I was watching them have fun and they were laughing and stuff. And I'm like, Hey, did you do this, this, and this? And they're like, yeah, how did you know? I'm like, I was watching you guys. <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> There's so many That's things. Really cool. saying is we're all connected. We are literally, we can help each other so much if we just get to the point where we say, okay, um, we're all connected. I remember, when I was actually shown this because I got to a point in my life to where my guides were like, Hey, you need to know this. And they would actually give me visions of different stuff that's going on behind the scene that I, I had no idea what was going on, but I got to where even the least among us that, you know, the ones that are suffering through the ones that the ones that are, um, are homeless and everything else that my heart went out to them because I realized that's part of me too. You know, what I mean, we, we separate ourselves so much, but we're not. Everybody is experiencing this life in their own way, and they should. But we're not separate. When we're doing stuff to harm each other, we're only harming ourselves. You know, and that's, I think, one of the hardest things of being here, of seeing how people can treat each other so badly and think that that's okay. How has your near-death experiences changed the person that you are today? How are you different today compared to the person that you were prior to the experiences? I don't think I've changed too much other than 
I do literally have no fear of death. I don't fear death at all. As I told you the second time, I'm like, all right, I'm out of here, you know, um, because I, and it's not that I want to die. It's just I I know that, you know, I always joke with people and say I've already died twice. So third time's a charm. You know what I mean? But for me, I, I think it's changed me in the way that I love being able to share them with people so that they don't have the fear anymore. You know, I have talked to a lot of older people and worked with them, um, talking to them about the other side, helping them along so that when it's their time to go, that they will, oh, okay, yeah, okay, I'm not afraid anymore. You know what I mean? Because the other parts of us, which, as I said, we're all connected. So your family members, your friends, the pet ones that have passed, they're there. There is no such thing as time. They're there waiting for us. You know, um, I would not suggest going and taking your life because we all have a purpose here. There's always a reason that we're supposed to be here. We're here to help other people. We're here to help ourselves. It's all a learning experience. Whether you, uh, I look at it when I cross over to the other side and go, this is real, this is not. Even though I don't believe, I believe, you know, people say maybe the earth is a matrix or something. Yeah, it pretty much is some form of that, but it's still very, very important. We need to live in them now. We need to experience what we need to experience, but we all come here to grow in one way or the other, to grow, to be able to help each other. But at the same time, we all have our own issues. There's not one of us that's perfect. You know what I mean? Uh, my, my favorite saying is that I'm perfectly imperfect. You know what I mean? Um, we all have our things to work on. And I really believe that as long as we're moving forward, trying to help each other, you know, does that mean, oh, I need to sell my house, live in poverty to help other people? No, that, that's not that's not it. You know what I mean? We're all here to experience things in our own way. But you know what? All it really takes is a little bit of kindness to somebody to help them. Simple things. Change your energy, the, the way that you think, your perception. If I could do anything and give anything to this world was to teach them to change their perspective of everything that happens because there's always a good positive perspective to focus on. And I've worked with a lot of different people that have gone to where um, they have a lot of negative thoughts. And I keep telling them, if you put out that negative energy, you're going to pull that negative stuff back to you. You want good things to happen to you? You need to find the smallest thing that's positive in your life. And I tell them, it's as simple as you're tired at night. You go lay in your bed. And I do this myself all the time. I'm like, oh, bed, I love you. You feel so good. You know, that's a positive thought. You know, I mean, it could be something simple like that or, oh, you know, breakfast was good. You know, that was delicious. Just anything to pull yourself out. So I want your anybody who listens to this is the one thing I always say is for any one negative thought you think, you must think at least three other positive thoughts to replace it. You've got to do that. You've got to. And it's all about mindset and, and learning to take your mind off of it. We all go through troubles in life. We all have trauma. We all have issues. But if we can start thinking positively, it changes the way you think over time and your vibration will change, you know? And what I mean by vibration, you ever go into a room where somebody argued or had an argument before and the argument's over, 
the people are gone, but you can feel that energy in the room. It just doesn't feel right in the room. It, you can kind of feel the anger, whatever took place before, you know. Um, well, you can feel positive from people too. You ever go standing in the line for anything and for some reason, somebody's talking to another person, but you can feel the energy that's coming off of them. That's positive. You know, um, I've, I've been lucky and I, I think it's really cool that I've been in line before and I'm just in a good mood and, you know, and just, and that doesn't mean you have to be in a good mood. Everybody has their days, but the whole thing is don't stay there. But I've been in line and just been feeling really good. And, and um, there's an older guy in front of me and I just kind of, I just kind of brought up conversation and he goes, you know what? You just made my day. He says, I was having a really bad day, but being around you and feeling your energy, this is what he told me, feeling your energy, I feel so good about myself right now. And you know, if we can all just do a little bit of that to help each other, this world would be totally different. It really would. Of course, there's always going to be some bad people out there that are trying to take advantage of this person or another. But you know what? The more positive people that we have, the more it's going to stand out, the negative, the ones that maybe you shouldn't be around, the maybe the ones you shouldn't trust, you know, but we can all do even just a little something to make it easier on the next person. You know, something as simple as I remember we're at a grocery store because I'm empathic. So I feel what other people feel. And sometimes I try to shut it off because it becomes too much. But I was at a grocery store. And there was this older lady and we're in the, the pet food section. And my son is really tall. My youngest son, the one I was telling you about, he's really, he's really tall. And she's standing there and she's kind of looking at the bags and she's like this shriveled up little lady. She's kind of looking at the bags at the top. And even before she said anything, I could feel what she needed. And I said, ma'am, did you need the dog food from the top section up there? She goes, oh, yes. She goes, would you? And I said, hey, and I got my youngest son. I'm just like, hey, can you get that back for <laughs> And so anyways, he got it down for her and, and then, um, he helped her push her little cart and everything. And so she was just so thankful. And so she was like, Oh, thank you. You're an angel. You know what I mean? So little things really honest to God, it's so many little things that we could do every day that doesn't take much out of our lives. It's not money out of our pocket, just little things that we can do to help everybody. If everybody, that's my goal. If everybody can do one or two things a day, simple things with other people, you know, this world would be beautiful. It really would. You know, I'm sorry. I I'm agree. <laughs> I agree. And make you know, sure that whenever, you know, you might be out and someone does something surprisingly nice and make sure you always pay it forward, you know? Oh, yeah. Always oh, yeah. give back. I, I've been in a situation where I'll be in a drive-thru. I, I had this happen to me. And because it happened to me, I have gotten mm -hmm. a little bit better at doing it for other people. But I was in a drive-thru and I came up to pay for my food. And they're like, no, the person in front of you already paid for it. I'm like, wow. You know what I mean? Simple things like that. And you just, to me, that if you're able to do it, do it. It's simple. But when you do something for other people, it kind of, it kind of rolls forward and, the paying it forward like you're talking about that person does it for another then that other person's like oh very touched by it they do it for another they do it for another and man this to me that would be the world to be able to live in to where everybody is not out to take the other person down and they're out to help the other person 
or find out what they can do or find somebody else to kind of help the other person. Because in actuality, if we all did this in our daily life, I'm talking everybody, if we all did this, we would not need like the social services that we need because everybody would already be out there helping each other. You know what I mean? Instead of, I, I think we should charity give to be charity, charitable, and not have to go through the government to do this stuff for them to say, oh, this person can have it and that person can't, that we're all helping each other. What was the most profound knowing or knowledge that you learned during your near-death experience? I think the most profound, well, there's several of them. The most profound is realizing this is this world ain't real. <laughs> you know, that's hard to say. It is real because we're here. We're experiencing it. And for here, it's really real for us. But realizing that when you die, it feels like waking up. You feel like you're totally alert. Um, and the most thing is, is, as I was telling you, is the feeling of becoming one with everything to where there is no separation. It is just all one. And it's so much love that you just feel so good. If you ever had a very spiritual experience that made you feel like you're crying, could you imagine that times a hundred? Cause that's literally what it feels like. So when I was brought back and I was removed from that feeling, that's why I was upset because I was like, no, I got to feel that intense, intense love and feeling part of everything. And now you just pulled me out of it. Now I had to come back to here which is not the same thing. You know what I mean? So I think that was very profound, understanding the connection to everything. And that's why I push so much of that we're all one. And so I think the hardest thing is, is that lately they always push racism this and racism that. And when you go through this profound experience, it doesn't matter what your skin color is. It's your soul. Your soul is all one. It does not matter what you look like on the outside. You are literally all one. So there is no racism, you know? And so I think, well, there's no, I think racism is all a man-made thing that comes about to make you feel a certain way, but there is really no such thing in, in God's eyes and spirit, whatever you want to call it. We are all one. There is no difference between what color you are, your background, rich, poor, it doesn't matter, you know? And so if I could push that forward with everybody is to bring forth love to whatever skin color, background or whatever, it is the soul to soul connection that we need to start paying attention to, not to the color of the skin or what the person looks like or how rich or how poor, you know, I've been around people that have a lot of money. And I do not, some people get intimidated by them. I don't because I do realize that we are all the same. So, oh yeah, they're blessed with maybe a lot more money than I have in this lifetime, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, they're better or anything else like that. So, yeah. What yeah. advice would you give someone who has recently had a near-death experience to help them integrate the experience into their life and evolve? Um, I would suggest, well, first stop is write it down, journal it, journal every thought, every image that came to you, 
um, everything that happens. And I think if more people, and I've seen a lot more are coming out about their near-death experiences, let people know because there's a lot of things that, a lot of things I've been shown that's going to be happening and death is part of it. Uh, there's a lot of death in, even look in the news, there's a lot of death that's taking place, you know, um, so death is going to be a large part of it. And the more near-death experiences we can put out there, the easier it's going to be for people to transition without the fear of where they're going, you know? Um, so I say, talk about it, talk about it to anybody who will listen to you about it. Um, so that it will help them. You know, I've, as I told you, I've dealt with a lot of old people. I've dealt with people who are dying of leukemia, talking with them, working energy, doing energy work with them to allow them to be able to let go, um, helping them transition easier without trying to hold on to this life so much, you know, so um, talk to anybody, talk to everybody, you know what I mean? Um, put it out there. Everybody's near-death experience. There's no one type of near-death experience. That's what I was explaining that I had two different ones, totally, totally different. But I think it was because by the time the second time came around, I was ready. It was like, it wasn't like, oh, this is new. It's like, oh yeah, okay, I'm done. You know, <laughs> type of thing. But, you know, everybody's is different, but it is different in a way to be able to help them transition. That's why it's different. Because the way that it makes it easier for me may not be easier for somebody else. So everybody's different. And I think the more we get it out there, the more to help other people, you know. What is the purpose of reincarnation in your opinion? In my, in my belief, I believe that before we come here, because this is a learning place, it's a place of learning, wherever you want to call what this is, it is a place of learning. I believe spiritually we have to grow. We have to evolve in our vibration to be able to accomplish other things. And I believe before we come here, we basically make our life plan. I believe we sit down and say, well, you know, I want to learn this. I want to learn this. And I want to learn this. And we go through and we basically put a list of things we want to learn. Sometimes we put maybe too big of a list feeling that we're strong enough and we could do whatever we can, you know what I mean? But, you know, you've seen a lot of people go through a lot of things, but I believe that we come here to learn. And it's like a contract. So as a contract, you know, you need to fulfill it. And so they come here to learn. And as they come here to learn, they go through life. They do what they're doing. And see, for me, I believe we kind of go through our own personal hell when we die, you know, because I don't believe there's like, oh, fire and damnation. I don't believe that. I believe that when we're done, we look back at our list and we go, oh, no, here's this list. I, I did this, this, but I didn't do this, this, this. You you're got this contract. You still need to learn this, you know? And so I believe that the reincarnation is you didn't learn everything that you said you were going to learn here. So now you're recycling back into it to do it again because you still need to learn this for your soul. I believe that's what why it happens. Um, I believe we come here like in group families if you want to that we kind of help each other along um, to do it. Um, but I believe that that's why we reincarnate here on this earth. Reincarnation to other places, it might be a little bit different. But here, it's because we need to learn the stuff that we set up to learn. So, we'll leave it on that note instead. 
agree. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of good information uh, from this episode. So thank you so much for your time and sharing your experiences. All right. Great. Good talking with you. Thank you. Have a good night. Night.